Okay, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s, people actually fought like thrust punch and they leave their arm out there. Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Hey, what's up? And thank you for checking out Social Jello with Angelo, Conversations with a Backfist. Today, I interview Terry, Sifu Terry Faircloth. I might have said that last name wrong. And if I did, Sifu Terry, I'm really sorry. But either way, it was a great interview. He talks about his contact with the Kajukembo community and some Kajukembo history. If you don't know what Kajukembo is, again, I really encourage you to look it up on Wikipedia. It's a great explanation about what Kajukembo is and its history and it's a Hawaiian martial art product. Either way, I hope you enjoy the show. I'm a Kajukembo practitioner. I, um, I started in 1978. I studied my, my first um, um, intro into Kajukembo was um, in the Chanfa branch. Um, my first teacher was Joseph Clark. Um, he was under the Ramos lineage. And um, Sifu Clark had um, already incorporated like six years of um, um into his Kajikimbo, three years of Northern Shaolin. So it had taken a change, you know, quite a bit. Three years of um, sticking with Daniel Lee, one of Bruce's students, actually. And um, so I, I, I got together with him, and um, I, it took me five years to get a black belt. Um, I was like a slow learner, I, th I think, you know. Um, our training was hard. It was, it was the old way, you know, horse dances forever. You know, I was quitting every week, you know, but I never did. But I was going to quit, you know. And, um, but I got my, my black belt in uh, 83. And then Stephen Clark had moved to Florida, so I was like on my own. And and uh, uh, what well, well, actually what happened was he moved when I was a brown belt, so I had him all the way to brown belt. And then his top student took over, and um, he all of a sudden quit. So there I was stuck at brown belt. And oh, that's that's the Kaju Kimbo curse, man! <laughs> Getting to brown belt and trying to get to that next level in Brazilian oh. jiu-jitsu, it's the blue belt. People quit at blue belt because they can't get to that I, next I, level. I, I think Kaju Kimbo, I think it's the brown belt. That's where people are so like. I, um, <laughs> I I went and found him. I went looking for him, and um, I I, I worked a deal out with him to where I would pay the school rent if he would just come back and teach, so I could get my black belt. So he agreed to it. So that year. It was about a year and four months. I got, I even got him a job with me because I drove truck. So I learned all my brown belt to black belt on the road. You know, we we're home every day, but in warehouses. You know, I was, you know, I was determined to get my black belt. Um, at the same time, he, um, he was allowing me to, to start modifying stuff. You know that. So the sets would work for me because there was a lot of stuff that I just didn't think would work. So, you know, I didn't want to do it. 
I wanted to do something that would work. And um, so he allowed that. So that was a blessing because um, that really helped me excel. And um, then the day I got my black belt, he walked out and never came back to martial arts. So I um, immediately um, caught on that Sipo Albacoscus just moved back here from Germany. Uh, you know, I was looking at this magazine, but I got, I got to study from him. And um, so I, was, I, opened, I quit my job. That was a risk, but I quit my job. I never taught before, but I started teaching. I was going to do it full time. Okay. Boy, that was hard. Um, I had 18 students you're making no money. Um, uh, and so I thought to myself, you know, I got I to gotta come. I got I to gotta figure out something because I want to do this for a living. So I, um, I went down and I hooked up with the health club and I made an agreement that um, I could teach all their, students, their members free and I could have my students come there and um, that my students paid me. And they said, okay. So I, I, I would learn how to market myself because I'd learn how the health club does it. That's why I went there because they, they were successful. And so um, my plan was 18 months there. I went there and I knew that when I left there that their, their members would follow me. That, that were my students that were that was teaching there. So that was the plan. It worked. Um, after 18 months, I learned how to market myself, how to how to sell contracts, to you know, through the for the health club. And I just took all that knowledge and I and I left at 18 months and um and 55 people followed me besides my 18. And so that's how my first school started and took off. And I was full time and um. At the same time, um, I started, you know, traveling to Oregon to hook up with Sipawal, and he would, like, ignore me. I mean, I'm driving all the way down there, and, I, you know, he walked right by me. I'm, like, bound in, and, you know, walked right by me like I wasn't there. So, but I wouldn't let up, you know. Um, I'd see him at tournaments, and I'd go and um, uh, do, do my street right in front of him and to make, make him see me, but he wouldn't, he'd just walk by me. So about... Nine months of that, about four different tournaments, and finally he came over and he said, "You're kind of, you're strong," and um, and I, I, I thought I gotta get him to my school so we can, I could get to know him. So I invited him to do a seminar, and that's how our relationship started. He started coming to do seminars, and then he saw that I was interested in what he did, and um, and and I just started working my material. That I got from him, I'd work it day and night because I had all day, you know, and, and classes were at that time just till the evening. So I was doing that, doing his material. I, I got introduced to a guy that taught Arnis and I started learning Arnis and that just really opened my eyes to angles. And, um, so anyway, as I grew, as I grew, um, and if I, I could just, yeah. if I can pause you for a second, first, sometimes my listeners do martial arts. Sometimes they don't. Can you explain a little bit about what our niece is and where it comes from? Sure. Um, it's a Filipino martial art, Cali, Screma, our niece. Um, and it's, a, they usually begin either blades or stick first and then empty hand as you go along where it's, as a Chinese, they start the opposite. You know, they go empty hand and then weapon. Um, but it was probably the best thing I ever did was get involved with that because it, it 
took me out of the shotgun theory of Kaji Kimball, which is everything is straight on, and um, and taught taught me angles, and um, and and more fluidity, and um, so I I was doing full time kung fu at the school, studying artists in the daytime in the afternoons three times a week, and then on the weekends shooting to see see out down to Oregon, which is like three hours. So uh, and making no money, eating air, you know. But um, but I I just didn't give up, you know. And uh, it it slowly started paying off. Um, by tying in with CNC for a while, he had a nice school. So every time I go there, I'd come home with some idea, and I I put it in my school. And um, so anyway, my he Sipuao allowed me to keep my base. Which is the Chan Pa, and learned his his one up kendo um, through privates. I didn't line up with the class, and um, so I learned street from him. Not I didn't learn any of the one up kendo forms. I had my own forms, and um, and if you're under Ramos's lineage, we have concentration forms also besides the the Kajikimbo pinions. So we had I had like twenty five forms. Work, to work on and um, but my street was constantly evolving because of one up and dope, a freedom of expression, self-expression. Um, and then I started seeing how Sipawa moved. He was awkward. He was he was he he was weird when he when he moved. And um, and so I took that and incorporated it into what I do and I and I became free with um so I did, I broke away from the horse stance and, um, you know, the, the real traditional looking self-defense and, um, and, and started to become a more natural position. And um, one up and gives you these 34 different flow drills that will, will enhance your skills because they're live, you know, they're never the same. And, um, so when I when I started incorporating that into my training, man, my street just exploded. You know, I mean, it just started being us uh, just being coming free. And just uh, to make it clear, when you're talking about your street, you're talking about your self defense, right? Your self defense techniques for the street. And one yeah. more thing, you said one hop, kun, do. Can you um, maybe elaborate a little bit what that style yeah. is and where it comes from? Absolutely. Kajikemo has four branches in it. There's the Chanpa, the Tumpai, the Kempo, and then the Wanhapkendo. And uh, what it is is, um, okay, when C.J. Imperado had formed, the five founders formed Kajikemo, um, it was the Kempo, the Kempo-orientated Kajikemo, the real hard stances, um, and et cetera. And um, Sipuau, um had... Came over from Hawaii to the states, and he started. He was um, studying kung fu from different kung fu masters, and he started incorporating that into the Kajikembo and developed the Chun. Uh, excuse me, developed the the Tung Pai, and Sijo Imperado wanted him to spread that. Uh, so Kajikembo had a softer side to it. Well, nobody wanted to really listen to. To Sipua, so he just gave up on it, and Tumpai kind of late sat there, okay, and um, and he continued on with his studies, 
etc. Anyway, by continuing on, he soon uh, started going back into developing it, but it took a change, a, a different direction. So C. Joe Garado started working with them, and they called it Chuan Fa. And it was actually, but it was C. Buau and Al Dela Cruz that that was the, the responsible for it. And, um, and but C. Joe's blessing. And um, so the Chuan Fa came from the, you know, started with Tumpai, then Chuan Fa developed more. And a lot of people picked up on the Chuan Fa because that's soft and hard. And then, um, and then that kind of went by the wayside, you know, after a period of time. And because uh, C. kept developing, and pretty soon he couldn't call his style anymore Kaji Kimball. He called it One Hop Kondo, his own, his own flavor of Kaji Kimball. And C. Juan Barato gave him permission. So that was the third branch of Kaji Kimball, and Barato's was the Kimball. So just and, to uh, kind of clarify with my listeners, for those of you who've been following the Kaju Kembo series, when I talk about how Kaju Kembo has many, it's out there. The reason I created the series is because I noticed there's a lot of Kaju Kembo out there, but a, pe- a lot of people don't know they're learning Kaju Kembo or they see a Kaju Kembo school and they don't even know it's a Kaju Kembo school. They think it's Hawaiian <laughs> Kembo or whatever. And they're like, I tell them I do Kaju Kembo and they're just like, well, I've never heard of it. And it's like, well, you've seen it. <laughs> right. But we're not the best at like letting the public know what it is. So, the, kind of catching up with your story here, the uh, the hop. One more time, the one hop kindo. The one hop kindo is part of the Kaju Campbell lineage. So, if you're driving Definitely. around and you see a one hop kundo school, you're looking at a Kaju Campbell lineage school. <laughs> so yes. Continue your story. Yeah. I just want to throw that little note in there. Exactly. See, one hop kundo actually means. Um, combined arts. That's what it means in, in the Cantonese. And so, um, but it's Sipuau's um, founding. And, and so he, his system has different forms. They have the Kaj Kimball original forms. That You learn that at, up to Purple Belt. And then they go into the Chinese forms. Um, but like I said, I didn't study the forms. I just studied the street and the drills. And it took me 10 years and I blacked in Mohapundo. So I have a black belt in the Chanpa and one in Mohapundo. Um, by 93, um, I was, well, I was between the 83 when I opened my school and 85, 86, 87 era, I started making money because I, I, it was do or die time. Meaning, um, I just, I just lost my school because they had sold it to somebody and I, and I found a school right up on the highway, location, location, location. Lo- but it was seven times the rent. It was scary. But you know what? I, I finally listened to what Sipuau was saying about intro lessons. Intro lessons. They're three half-hour lessons, 29 bucks. Everybody can afford it. They don't have to put no money down it. And they try it. They experience it in class. And when I did that, it just exploded on me. And from that Point out, I remember the end of that month, I called Sibu up and I said, wow, Sibu, I can't believe this, but I made $2,000 this month. And he went, that's awesome, Terry, but I couldn't live on that a week. And I went, what? And after that, Angelo, I never made less than 2000 a week after that, ever. And just just that one little message. And um, but, this, but my goal was, it wasn't about the money, it was about turning out good students. That was my, my goal. 
I, I, I like my students clean and, 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 you know, that we started competing. Um, we never competed. I never even saw a tournament when I came up. Uh, but, but we started doing forums and, um, and we started winning, you know, and so I started creating on the forum, changing the forms. And, and next thing I know, we were, we were doing really well. Um, yeah, we won like 21 outstanding dojo awards in, in a row at competitions for winning the most trophies in forms and, um, sharing the art and doing demos. So anyway, um, in, in uh, 92 and 93 era, which is 10 years after I'd been with Sipuau, was when I got my black and one up though. And, um, but I had changed my art. I had thrown out all the Kaj Kimball sets and I brought in open concept and, and, and I brought in my own street defense of how, because I had studied Aikido by then too for two years. And so I just incorporated everything into, I took a whole year to did this and brought in, I revised my forms so it fit the self-defense. And um, I, I just blended it all together and to where it made sense. And it was easy to teach. And my, I saw my students' skills just go boom, you know, and that's all that was important to me was the students. And, um, and the school was just growing and growing. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, I got a phone call from CJO, actually, it was who was in California with CJO. And he says, uh, You need to get on a plane and get here by Saturday and bring four black, bring four students that are testing for black belt. Okay. So I'm thinking at the time, they just want to see my students. Okay, cool. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know who all was there. I just knew I had to go there. So we hopped a plane. We went there, and when, when I got there, I walk into this Red Lion Inn. It was a, they rented a whole up area, and um, there was black belt testing going on. It was going to be eight hours long. So I got my four students with me, and um, I look up, and there's this table. It's like 35 feet long, and it's got all these grandmasters, people I read about, you know, sitting there. And I'm like, and see Joe's right there in the middle. And um, I'm like looking, I'm in my street clothes even. And, um, and then he calls my name and he, and he said, um, I want, I, he heard that I had revised everything and I threw out his stuff. So he, that's when I discovered what I was there for. Up until then, I didn't know. He said, show me everything you're teaching. And I mean, from yellow to black. And then I, then I tell you, if you can call it Kaj Kimball anymore. And I thought, oh boy, you know, I'm in my street clothes even. He wants me to do it right now. So I just said, okay, because um, I was confident when I was teaching. It was simple. It was effective. And, um, and yet everything I do is Kaj Kimball because that's my, my route. Um, so I got a student. I went through and I showed him everything from yellow to black, all in within two, about an hour and a half. I just went right through. I didn't do any forms. He saw, he had my students see the forms, and um, when I was done, I mean, it just went perfect. Um, I never rehearse nothing, even in demos. I don't rehearse nothing. Uh, that way, nothing can go wrong. You can always tell if someone rehearses something and it goes wrong. You could tell instantly. 
But when you don't rehearse nothing, nothing can never go wrong. So I, I did it. I just shared with them everything I do. And when I got done, um, it was all, it was all real quiet. Everybody's quiet. And, and then uh, they, he said, come up here and you're going to call out your students' material. And I'm going to call out the, the other 10 people testing. And so I'm looking for a place to sit, you know, down at the end. You know, like there's no chairs open. And he goes, no, you're sitting up here with me. So I thought, wow. So I'm nervous, you know. I'm walking up there, you know. <laughs> like I was nervous. And, um, but I sat down and then they started the test. And um, then he talked to me. He talked to me. And he goes, um, uh, he, I, very good. Uh, you have my blessing, is what he said. He just said, you have my blessing. And um, I was like, still, I was just uh, in awe. I'm sitting next to him, you know. Um, I was kind of quiet, you know, and just listen to him. Um, he, his, his, what he said to me was um, the forms he recognized instantly. He could see the forms. That's Kodge Kimball. And um, the street, he could see Kodge Kimball in it because everything I do is Kodge Kimball. It's just I do it in a different flavor. But it's still elbows. It's still the neck chops, you know, the, the Kimball looking, the flow. Um, but it's... Um, the forms, he said, is what connected him instantly. He recognized it. It's Kajikimo. We can call it Kajikimo. So, but you know, when I was on when I was on the Family Tree Facebook, I got when I shared that talking point with some people. I had some people telling me they don't believe me. I'm like, don't believe me. They didn't believe me that CJO said that that about the forms. I, I'm thinking, man, um, were you there? You know, because you got must be a mind reader so no i said um what you know that's exactly i'm just sharing with you what he said to me he could recognize the forms i can call it Hutch Kimball. and um uh and that's that was it from that point on it was fair Post method of Hutch Kimball, and um and i just continued on uh doing what i do you know and um turning out the best students that i can you know and i'm a hard ass when it comes to black belt testing i mean my students if they make one mistake, they sit down. If there's just one mistake, they get to sit down because that prepares them to prepare themselves in life, you know? So they, I've, I've had only two students ever have to sit down and take it six months later. Everybody else knew that would happen, so they really trained hard. And, of course, you know, um, the key to turning out really good students, honestly, is, is you, you walk with them. I, you know, I brought them all up. I taught every student, every class, all day long, and then through, through the evening. I didn't let anybody else teach. And um, so I made sure that they were prepared, you know, and, and then then your skill goes into them so that they look good, you know. And that's my goal is to make them better than me, you know. And, uh, that's my goal all the time is to make them better than I am because I, I, I look at myself like I'm – I'm nobody important, you know. I'm just a teacher. I think that's a great. That's a great. Um, it's it's a great moment when you're training someone who, when they started, were scared to step in. Right? You have that student <laughs> that comes in and they're scared. They're looking at people punching each other in the face and people getting tapped out and slammed slammed into the mat. And they're like, I don't know if this is for me, right? 
but that moment where that's how they started and then they fast forward two years later and they and then two years later they they get you in the face for the first time or they tap you out for the first time it's such a great feeling like yeah it's it's like you know hey you've gotten to that point where you can get me and just to to feel that accomplishment to see that look in their eyes they always a lot of oh i'm sorry and i'm like you don't have to apologize i am so happy <laughs> that you've gotten to this point it's such a great accomplishment and to see them like grow. yeah there's nothing like that there's nothing nothing compares to that the reward of teaching is unbelievable I, you know one day i was i had a student that um that was when he first signed up when he first came in he was like skinny and you know shy and timid and and you know and 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 it was about a year later i'm walking across the floor and i saw this flow and i just stopped and looked and it was him and he was like fluid going across the floor and i just stopped the whole class and said that is the beauty of kung fu is seeing a student change in a short period of time for the better you know and but um you know i'm i'm all about i i didn't know at first okay when when you invited me to your show and i the first few videos i watched i i i wasn't sure you would I, I wasn't sure if I was the right guy for your <laughs> because because I I see things uh, I never used the term fight in my school I always it's just protect the word protect you know and stuff and um, but I know you young warriors you know <laughs> you know when I when I was young it was all about fighting um, so I understand I'm I'm all, I'm all cool you know some of that but um but I you know the last since the nineties, you know, everything went to protection and, and, um, uh, I just see everything as, um, avoid, uh, how to avoid, uh, how not to fight. You know, I've been into some scraps. Um, but I, but you know, I tried my best to, to not get into them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, cause I don't like to, I don't enjoy talking about fighting and stuff, but, um, but I do believe in self-protection and, um, uh, and yeah, totally believe that, that's a really that's a really good quote though because I mean, you know, I think and for me and, and some of my listeners know this. You know, I come from a uh, I did Kaju Kembo for a long time and then I got into MMA fighting in a cage. And there's a big difference between pre- preparing to protect yourself on the street, the mentality you have for that, and then preparing to step into a cage with cameras and fight someone right. who is specifically trained to destroy whatever you're about to bring at them. It's a completely different mindset, different everything. But one of the things that I found really interesting on that journey is when I started meeting MMA coaches, right? Because all the time I work with Kaja Kembo instructors and some MMA coaches, but I started working with some MMA coaches. And they said, one of the guys, Ramsey Dewey out in China, he said, he said, I don't, I don't fight. I watched his video. Yeah, he's like, I don't, I don't fight. Uh, he, he, he he hates the idea of even bringing up the idea of self-defense for the street. He says, I don't call myself. That's why I say I'm an MMA coach. I train people specifically for a sport. I don't encourage anyone to go on the street to fight. He does not like fighting. Right. He's like, I like the sport. I don't like fighting. And it was really interesting because you'd see this guy, you'd think to himself, well, you know, MMA guy, no shirt. He's done all these MMA fights. You'd think he would love <laughs> fighting. No. 
And then if you listen to some of the things JSP has said, um, George St. Pierre, he, he said the same thing. I hate fighting. Championship of the UFC, you know, cha- multiple champion of the UFC, I hate fighting. He says, I don't like it. I, I, every time I step in there, I'm nervous. I don't. And he was talking about fighting as a sport. He says he hates it. He's I hated it. Like, <laughs> I don't like it's part of it's part of it. But I really I really don't like it. You all you know, there's all the all the stuff that goes into it. And I, I, I feel the same way. I really do. I always hated stepping into the ring and fighting because I knew for sure that a I was I'd be lucky if I step out without getting injured. Um, B. I really still couldn't. I know I had to, but I never. Ha- I always had a hard time wrapping my head around the idea that I'm about to hurt this person for entertainment. Yeah, that was really hard for me to get over. Like I'm gonna potentially put this person in the hospital, and had put people in the hospital for the sake of entertainment and really not that much money. Like when you think about the money that I was working with, I'm not a UFC fighter, so like, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Um, I've, I've, I noticed you were saying it's not all about fighting. That's very true. You were saying that on, on Facebook. It's not. How, I, I wish I could scream from the rooftops. I think you said it's not all about fighting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you know, I mean, I have nothing. I don't have any against against anybody that that does MMA. Hodge Kilmer's MMA, mixed martial arts. But I do have. I just don't like the UFC uh, <laughs> because. Because in my, just in my opinion, though, okay, and that, that's all, just take it with a grain of salt, but okay, when the martial arts used to be, it used to be, uh, you could be in a room, okay, a room, and, and, and you could pick a black belt out, not by, he was the quiet one. He was the one that just was minding his own thing, not over boasting or just, he was the one that was different. And, and, and people sought the arts. Like, I sought the arts to kick ass, okay? And then soon learned, it ain't about kicking ass, you know? And soon learned I don't want to fight. See, and that's most people came. But I learned about honor and respect and, you know, and, respond, you know, self-discipline. And it changed me. It changed me for the better. Because I was a real jerk before I got into martial arts. And, um, but, but the UFC came along. And my students, you know, they came up, they were all respectful. Nobody talked about kicking ass, or we, but we talked about being light, nice, and, you know, respectful, and on and on and on. And, and yet you got skill, the skill level. Wow, if someone tries to harm you, you can protect yourself. And um, so that's in my stuff, that's, that's my vision of martial art. Then the UFC comes along, and, and I know that human nature, okay, we're going to watch this. I watched the first one, but... Real, just, real quick, real quick. You watched the first one. What were your impressions after watching the first one? What were well, you? Well, I just did. I just didn't like seeing uh, martial artists pitting against martial artists because that's not what I believed it was about. Uh, you know, that guy in the guy breaking in your window or in your home to harm you. That's what it's the protection level comes in. That's where your skill level comes in to stop that element. Um, and it's all around us, you know, violence. And um, but when I saw martial art against martial art, the first thing that came to my mind though is, wow, these guys are these these guys are um, walking right into a trap <laughs> because the, the ring's padded, the the it's set up for a grappler, 
you know, that in my viewpoint, there's a lot, but as the, and then as the time went on, you know, um, I mean, it was different, yeah, you know, but, but I could see how the rappers had, in my opinion, the advantage because padded, caged, no, there's no blacktop, there's no street, there's no poles, there's no bricks, there's no, you know, you know, no rules, but they're, the first one really didn't have a lot of rules, but, um, but still, um, it's like Bill Wallace said, one of them, I think it was Bill Wallace, that was a uh, commentary on the first one, I think, or the second one, but anyway, he said the same thing, this is set up for grapplers, the, the, the strikers are limited to what they could do, you can't strike the neck or throat, you know, um, but yeah, you could choke the throat, but you can't strike the throat. That, wow. That's kind of like, okay, you could choke them out but in the same area that's lethal, but you can't strike them. And did, did, they, did they allow, here's another thing I, I wasn't sure. Did they allow actual choking, actual strangling? I can't remember. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't I can't remember. I know, I know that in, um, I was, uh, I was surprised to find out when I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that they don't allow strangling, anything that involves grabbing the neck with your hand, which I found interesting. Like, they'll allow you a collar choke. You can grab one collar, one collar. You can strangle them with their collar, but actual strangulation, they said, was too dangerous because they're afraid that you might crush the trachea. Um, so I'm wondering if they had that there. I, know I, mean, the I think, think Jiu-Jitsu is an awesome art. Oh, it's a beautiful do. art. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And how, how skilled they are on the ground when it goes to the ground, you know, that's pretty incredible. But, you know, but I'm, I'm too old to go study Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> now. You know, I'm, I'm, I think, let's see, I'm 61. 61, I can't even believe it. But, but, <laughs> no, I, but I don't feel like it. You know? um, but, yeah. I, but anyway, the more that the more that the UFC went on, the more attitudes started coming out, you know. And it was uh, kick your, you know, the ass kicking and the, uh, the I don't know, that stuff just ring, oh, you know. Like, <laughs> well, you know, bo boxing, right? Boxing has a lot of that. You'll have those. Boxing has that more of a. I want to. I want to say it's it's a promotional thing. It's more of a promotional thing, like. It came in, you know, the, the, it's not surprising that it ramped up after Dana White took over the UFC. Like, there was more, there was a few characters that were loud mouth talkers before, but once Dana White took over, it kind of became a focus. And, you know, he used to own a franchise of the, of, I think it was the WWE or the WWF. He owned one of the wrestling federations before, and he was bringing in those elements into the UFC for a promotional element. And I, I remember listening to the radio the first time you can, I actually saw it happening where one of the guys, I forgot what fighters were being interviewed on the radio, but one of them out of nowhere starts, you can tell he's reading a script. Like you can tell by the way he was talking, he was reading a script and the other fighter was just like not reading a script and not what, wondering what's going on. Like it went from a friendly conversation between their fight and also the other guy starts talking trash off a script and then the other guy's uh -huh. like what and then he's just totally thrown thrown into the wind over it and that's and it was a little after dana took over that that happened i mean again it's it's people, people get a view that martial arts is all about that man you know yeah and I, I think i think if if any message people watching this listening uh can get through that i know from from meeting professional mma fighters 
and seeing them train and then seeing them promote. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a show. <laughs> like I've trained with them. I've been to MMA gyms and, um, and when I went in there for the first time, like I was expecting that I was expecting a lot of trash talking. I mean, cause if you just watch UFC, then that's what you think is going to happen when you walk into an MMA gym. So I, I went to an MMA gym. I, I didn't say who I was or anything. I just walked in just, just to see how are they going to treat someone who just came off saying that they did some martial arts. I said, I didn't do some martial arts. And that's it. And I walked in. I didn't say I was a teacher or anything. And um, I was really surprised to see the place being run. I was like, this is Kaji Kembo. Minus the forms. Line ba- stretched out, line basics, an attitude of respect. Um, the instructor was saying the same thing. It was, And then I realized... After that, I started going to lots of MMA gyms and lots of jiu-jitsu places, not saying who I was, not saying anything. Just, hey, can I come in? Um, I'm going to be here for a week. I'm traveling. Can I stop in and do some martial arts? I'm a, I'm a amateur yeah. MMA fighter. Yeah. And I would just walk in, spend a week with the people. And I think, um, yeah, there was only like maybe one place that had a kind of a shade, not shady, but one of the guys is a little bit arrogant, but still like the way the classes were being ran. I, I've heard now, not to say I haven't heard horror stories, because then I asked the guys, hey, how about you? Have you been to, I was talking to this one guy in particular out in Japan who trained, he did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I'm not going to name the school, but it was a school in New York, and um, I asked him, how was your experience? You know, you said you've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a long time. How was your experience uh, out in New York? And I'm not going to name the school, but he's like, those guys were assholes. And I was like, whoa, what, well, what happened? He's like, I was just getting beat up the whole time. They didn't teach me anything. The guys were really arrogant. So it's not to say that it doesn't happen. It does happen. There are certain academies where they have a bad atmosphere. But overwhelmingly, in my experiences going there, they've been pretty cool. I, I've been lucky so far. But I will list, tell my listeners. That's why I always tell my, my watchers and listeners, hey, go to the school. Make sure you like the instructor. Make sure it's an atmosphere that nice. that you like. Because everybody's going there for different reasons. I think like you said about the MMA, the whole ass kicking attitude, I'm guessing because they watch the UFC, you're going to have a lot of arrogant people coming in and to kind of stifle that they're going to, they're going to put you to some really hard training to snuff that out real quick. And what's going to happen with that is sometimes you're going to have people who you're going to have an atmosphere of really competitive testosterone. That if you were just, if you were just like a kid or maybe a woman who was looking for a place for some some martial arts, you're going to look at that and be like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, I agree with you 100% there. Um, cause, because in, in my school, it, everybody was everybody just was polite, and they worked their ass off. They were hard, and they were skilled, uh, skilled, you know, but, but they were, they didn't act like it. They didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't martial art against martial art or martial artists against martial art. It was just them bettering themselves and be doing the best that they can. And, um, but, um, but I've heard people um, say that if you, if you don't have, like, the biggest comment I get, that's why I send you those clips. Okay, the biggest comment that I have received from, pe- from people is they think there's no, no resistance on some video clips that I've put, shared. And uh, and I'm thinking to myself, man, are they blind? Or are, are they are they missing the boat? Because um, because what they see is okay, the guy swings out, you know, bam to the neck, and then you know, bam, and so you know, 
And then on through, they go, well, there's no resistance. The guy's just standing there. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, um, the resistance is when it began and he swung on me. After that, he, he, the first shot and second shot, it's done. I'd be lucky if I get anything out. But they missed that first shot. They don't see it. They just see the guy there. So those clips that I sent you shows just so that the first shot, that was over. That was over. The guy that got hit in the eye, he, he was done. Um, the other guy just chose not to go in on him. Whereas the clips that I do, you know, my first shot's there. And then just like the guy in the video, for real, he was just standing there. Yeah, because he's in shock. You know, and you could boom. So that's, and the guy in the street where the pimp, you know, where the guy just went, one, and that, that was kind of sloppy to me, but he still hit the target. And well, actually, boom. you know, we could do something real quick here. Check this out. We can go here. We can go to, you can go to Facebook right here. And you can see me, right? We can see my our screens here. Let's uh, I can see you. yeah. And uh, here, let's uh, let's take a look. I have the video right here. Oh, oh, wow! How do you do yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can share the screen. All right. So if everybody, could, if everybody wants to see this, here's uh, here's a pimp. And the cops are filming this. Yeah, there we go. He's right there. And then he comes in. He's upset. He's coming in. And um, he's scuffling with, with the prostitute a little bit. And she tears off his shirt. Trying to hold him back. Up. Yeah, she's trying to hold him back. She goes up to the, to the martial arts instructor who was teaching a class with some police officers. And wow, right there. There it is. A uh, chop and, uh, to the neck. And, he, and he's dropped. Got so, it. yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that kind of goes, goes to show how quick things go. Yeah. Yeah, getting hit in the throat. And again, Kajukembo, we don't yeah. Yeah, we do those drills, but then we go in there and we spar it, right? And I, and I, I don't blame people who go to martial arts who just kind of cruise the internet watching stuff. And because there is, I, I will admit, I have on my journey of visiting schools, I've also met the schools that don't, right? The ones that don't spar, the ones that only do point sparring, don't do any sparring at all. And then they just do a bunch of drilling of self-defense with no sparring or any type of resistant training. But every training starts with a non-resistant opponent. I think that's that's pretty much everywhere. You go, people right now are marked right now. The the big popular thing is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Go into a, I, I, if you've never done it, I encourage you you go try it because the first thing you're going to do, the first thing the instructor is going to do is show you a technique against a non-resisting opponent. The guy's not going to sit there. Okay, let me show you how to do a chokehold. The other guy's going to start trying to get out of it because then we'll then you'll never learn how to do a chokehold. So, like, I, I think that's kind of the that's kind of my beef with people that say, "Oh, it's a non-resistant opponent." Of course, it's a non-resistant opponent. How if I showed you against a resistant opponent, it's going to happen so fast that you're not going to know what I just taught. But um, one thing you can do, man, that I that I did to get kind of through those people on the internet is I have my Kaju Kimbo program where I show against a non-resistant opponent. And then sometimes I'll record sparring footage, watch it later, find the technique in the sparring, slow it down, and I'll comment it on the video. Like I'll show the sparring and I'll show the technique that either I or a student did and be like, oh, here, here's punch number one in action. Here's what it looks like against a resistant opponent. Just to kind of shut some of that down is one of the things for that. <laughs> but, um... One thing I wanted to talk to you about, and we're almost close to our wrap-up, and this is why I want to bring it up. Oh, that's a fact. 
wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, time flies on this thing. But before we still have some time, and I, and I want to okay. get I want to get to why I asked you to be on the show because okay. you posted this picture on on the Kajikimbo family tree of a boxer and uh, John Jones, the, the uh, one of the current champions of the UFC, and you said martial arts is evolving. Uh, the way things were back then, the techniques, the way they were then are going to have to change to the way people are fighting now because of the, what they're seeing in the UFC. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? What I was getting, what, why I posted that was, um, I'm, okay, Sergio Barado and the four of the um, partners or founders, they, they were ahead of their time. They developed, okay, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s, people actually fought like thrust punch, and they leave their arm out there. Uh, well, I live, I grew up in Auburn, and um, Auburn, Washington, we were kind of rowdy, you know, when I was growing up. And, um, and uh, you know, I had a, I, I was a little guy. I didn't, I didn't like somebody getting in my face. Uh, and I had a, I, I had somewhat fast hands, but I was just punching. But I could, I, I, I could punch, you know, seven punches in a second. I might hit the window and the locker and him, but um, but it's still flying, okay? Um, that's how we and we kicked too. But when I moved to Yakima in my my junior year, and I saw my first fight there, I saw it. They fought like fifteen years behind time. They moved around slow like this and, and threw one punch at a time. I'm thinking, wow, these guys don't even know how to fight, you know. And so what I'm getting at is Sejo when they when they developed Kaj Kimball, the 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 uh, punch arts, okay, parry, strike the bicep and kick it to the groin, bam, and then drop back fist, you know, etc. Um that was ahead of its time back in the 40s and 50s, 60s, and even 70s. Okay. Um all, all the techniques, but things changed. Come eighties, where people started seeing Seagal on movies. Different martial arts started coming out, and so people's mindset changed. All of a sudden, they're throwing elbows. All of a sudden, they're they're doing something different. You know what I mean? Everything started changing. And Chuck Norris had, of course, was out. And um, uh, when you start becoming exposed to stuff, you change. With it, like today, like today, you see all over YouTube. People don't have any training, but they picked it up from all the UFC fights, etc. Of how to body slam or how to do this. They don't. They might. They might not be doing it right, but they're doing partially right, and it's effective. Um, see, they've been exposed to it, so they see. So they now do it. And they have no training. Times have changed. If you try, in my opinion. Just a guy coming at you today, throwing a punch, and you try to do this, this, and a, and kick at the same time. I just feel like you're going to be ran over because it's 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 time to advance. How to advance it? I advanced it by um, leaving the kick out, and I can still do the parry and the strike instead of to the bicep straight to the bridge of the nose. So there's a reaction, you know, and then and then kick him if you want. It's just a simple tweak, and and I, that now I'm updated. You know, I just, just, but, but I see a lot of people still, and that's their thing. That's okay. 
uh, one, you're throwing one leg, kicking the groin, doing this as a guy attacks. I just don't I just can't understand why. Because I myself ask people this all the time: Would you train on something for the next twenty years if it didn't work in the street today? Would you still train with it? No. And then I said, so I said "Well, why are you doing now?" <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm just trying to point out a simple thing that if you, if a guy in the street comes at you today, they just you know throw one punch at a time. It's like bang, 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 you know, and um or grab. And, yeah, um, yeah. They're, that, they're that definitely going to try to go for a, a double leg or a single leg. That for sure, because that's just what they see. That's what they like. You said in the eighties, they were watching Van Damme movies, and they started getting the idea: Hey, you can kick. Hey, you can elbow. Hey, you can jump kick. Uh, watching Steven Seagal, hey, you can grab a guy's wrist and try to break his wrist. And then from there, now they watch UFC, and the first thing they see in UFC is a guy going in for a tackle to get on top of him to start punching him in the face. So, like, if you don't know how to handle someone sitting on you, if you can't bridge and get someone off of you from a ground and pound, you're in a lot of trouble. If that was, if your only, if your only method of defense was, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch him in the face and kick him in the growing, it's gonna be over. Right. You, you know, it's, um, things have changed, you know, and, um, uh, but, um, if you don't update your art, if you don't update yourself, you I just feel like you're, 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 you're working with World War II equipment, you know, it worked back then, it was effective, but you take the same thing and you modify that plane to now it's got a jet engine in it and you got, you got much more, you know, you're not going to be, you're, you're up with the times. And even um, arguably, like you said about World War II, right? And during World War II, the Germans had better guns. And it was known, Americans, when they shoot a German, they take their gun. Because <laughs> it was a better gun. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to share something with you, though. Um, um, the drills that we work on. Okay, because what we're talking about, you know, like in, in, in the street, they're applications. They're, they're a tool. You know, so, you know, whether it's the left hook or right, uh, straight, whatever, those are applications. What I like about, what I really liked about one up and in the Kajikumo um, system is the flow drills, okay, because they're live. Okay, I'll give you an example of one, one of, I, there's two flow drills that I believe if you master them, you, you could be pretty well off in the street. Um, the first one's called six count. And it's where um, this guy just throws on you, and you take make a mischief, and you hit it six times. Anything you want to do, one, two, three, four, five, six, and then on the sixth shot, he has to take it away from you. He doesn't know what you're throwing, but he'll feel you, and he takes it away, and he hits you, one, two, three, four, five, and you take his six shot away. And after a while, you never know where a six shot's coming from, but you feel him move, and you can anticipate it. See, and take it away, and then you go six again. Okay, you start working that drill over and over and over with different people. You've seen the six shot come from everywhere, okay? And you've taken it away, though. You've learned to take that six shot away and then hit him six times yourself. What happens is you've trained your subconscious to take away a shot that you don't know where it's coming from, but you've seen how he moved just to... Just a certain way, and you know where it's coming from, and you take it away. In the street, the first shot is the sixth shot in that drill, and you take it away, and boom, that's just one drill. 
um, the other drill is called stages where you learn to go, a guy stands in a silhouette like and you learn to go around the body hitting different targets they all then it goes to stage two like this um, ways that you're going to see an opponent react if you hit him he's going to go here or maybe he just drops down where stage three is one hand on the ground one knee on the ground like he like he's going down and you learn to go around him stomping on the ankle stomping on this you know learning to heel kick up to his chin because he's right there just learn to go around him over and over and, and you become accustomed to i've been there so see in the street what happens is you hit somebody and they turn around they spin their back on you and i've seen people do this all the time they stop because they're so, they're not used to seeing the back you know <laughs> whereas that drill you see the back of the guy and you stomping on his ankles you know you're, you're, there's no hesitation it takes that pause out so where you hit him and he spins bam ankles are gone you know and it's over just those two drills um if you get really good at them that's but there's 34 different flow drills we uh, I, too. i'm always telling my uh my listeners and also my students um how Kaji Kumbo schools uh, are given the liberty to do what they want, but there's always something that comes up. So what you're calling, uh, you call it six shots? Is that what you called it? It's called six count. Six count. Well, we have something called three strikes. And then later um, we modified it to six techniques. We call it three strikes, but really it's the same flow drill. And then we threw in an element of six techniques where it could be striking, grappling, where the you let the opponent gets six moves in and once there's six moves in and that last move might be a submission, by the way, you might be on the ground with him trying to choke you. Now you have six moves to get out of it and reversal it. Right. It's same kind of flow drill, same kind of flow drill, same kind of thing. But again, like to my listeners, I've never talked to Terry about this. (laughs) We didn't plan this. I didn't send him a message. Hey, let's talk about, Let's talk about your flow drill, my flow drill. <laughs> but it's beautiful to see how, even though, even though we're a complete, you know, ocean apart. I'm in Japan, and yeah. you're out in California. And even though we come from different lineages, you we can always find like those certain ways that we train, certain ways our philosophy oh. are that it's all kajukembo. That's what I'm always saying. It's all kajukembo. That's one of the biggest things to anybody listening to this. It's all kajukembo. You know, if you if you do it differently, maybe I don't do it that way. But it, yeah, I respect the fact that we're all Kaju Campbell. I don't really have anything negative to say. I think it's a waste of time to argue. Going back to another point you made about someone who got upset about something about Kaju Campbell and whether that's Kaju Campbell or not Kaju Campbell. I always I've ended this on I've ended my show on this note quite a bit. Nobody knows what Kaju Campbell is. We, we do. You do we now. Do. But if you can grab, you can grab. You can go outside right now, grab the first non-martial artist you see and say, hi, how's it going? Hey, have you ever heard of Kajukembo? And they're going to look at you really funny. And you're going to have to have to do a long explanation of why or what it is. So really, I, I still feel that it's a waste of time for us to be arguing with each other online, on YouTube. Totally. That's Kajukembo or that's not Kajukembo or this. Blah, blah. I think like really, if we want, we all, I think we can all agree on one thing. We all love Kajukembo. I mean, this is, that's why we do it. We all love Kaji Kembo. Let's just focus on that, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny that you brought that up. Uh, this is funny, okay? I used to think, oh, Ohana, um, 
yet I see all these people mad. This guy hates that guy, this, or this guy's mad at that guy, or there's an argument going on. And I, and I used to say, where's the Sohana? Where's the family at? And, and this, then I started thinking, wait a minute. I got two sisters. Neither one of them talked to me. <laughs> and we're a small family. So actually, Kachikim was doing great. They got 100,000 strong, you know, and, and a few guys bigger. So they're actually doing really good. Yeah. They're always getting a little brotherly. My two sisters don't talk to me. You know, so I don't even know why. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you brought that up about Kaj Kimball. You know, my patch, my patch that I have on the wall here. I don't know if you can see that. Can you? Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see the tiger. Oh, yeah, I can see the tiger. I can see the tail, but yeah, I can see the tiger better now. Yeah. The room in the middle, I had a design to not say anything about karate or kung fu. All, all you see is Kaj Kimball, Tanfa, and then Mohawk Kendo. And pretty much nobody knows that. What it is, unless they're Kajikimo people. The outside world can look at that patch and go, they wouldn't really know what it is um, because there's a club in the middle. There's my first teacher's symbol in the midst, direct center. And, uh, but there's no Kung Fu. There's nothing that you can read. The only people that would know anything about that patch are Kajikimo people themselves. They know what Chantua is, they know what Monakondo is, you know, and that's how I had it designed. So, so that I kept, I kept the public out and made it personal. And um, a, a guy helped me design that this last year. Yeah, so it's a great, that. it's a good looking patch. I like how you have the reeds there too, kind of bringing it back to, to Hawaii and, and that yeah. representation for that too. Yeah, yeah. I have the, I have probably the hardest time out here in Japan I'm gonna trying, to to ex trying to explain what Kaju Kembo is in Japanese. To Japanese people, Okinawa. I'm about. Oh, I'm far from Okinawa. I'm no, Okinawa. No. Okinawa is like the distance between California and Hawaii. I think that's oh, wow. that's a good wow. way of putting where Okinawa is at. Um, uh, for more, you're in San Diego, or you're? No, I'm in Washington. You're in Washington. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. I guess. I'm right you. Yeah, yeah. You are. You are. This is sister city. I, I actually live in in one of, in, I think Washington. I think Seattle, Washington is the sister city of where I'm at. Um, but yeah, they Tokyo is about probably about the distance between Washington and San Francisco, about wow. eight, about an eight or nine hour drive. Um, so to kind of put it to perspective, do you know where Osaka is? Have you heard of Osaka? No. No. Okay. I'm. You like so it there? The geography is so weird. I love it. It's great. I mean, I, I've, I've started my family here. But um, yeah, again, explaining what Kajukembo is to Japan, it's already hard to explain to your average American what Kajukembo is. I have a student that lives over there that's actually got invited to teach teach in, a, in one of the master's schools. Oh, nice. He watched, yeah, he, he, he wrote me a letter. He said, Sibu, I'm out working out in the park, and um, I, every day I see this guy watching me, and finally he came over and Talked to me, and I found out he's a high-ranking. Uh, uh, it's very traditional, uh, very personal. Um, big school the guy had, and he oh, wow. and the guy invited him to dinner, took him around, uh, showed him the history, and and they, he invited. So Brad got to go to a school, and the guy asked Brad once a week to share what he saw in the park. 
share it with the students because they had no idea what Kachikamu was. They had no clue. Yeah, it's 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 really hard to explain too. Like, you you where's your your student still here? Or he was visiting, or yeah, he's there. He lives oh. there now. Oh, where is he? Um, he lives in Okinawa. Oh, Okinawa. But, okay, okay. But, and that's where that happened at. And but oh, okay. he's working now in Tokyo. Oh, okay. But he flies back home every month for his family because they live there. But he lives in Okinawa. Okay. Yeah, he was here for like four, five years, and he studied with me. At the time he was here. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah the Japanese martial arts world. To give you an idea, like the only place I was able to break through in Japan was in kickboxing and MMA. Because when I contacted the Karate Association, they pretty much told me that I have to throw away Kajukembo and learn all their techniques to be part of it. Oh, wow. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. If you want me to come in and prove myself, I'll come in and, and prove myself. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna essentially. I, what I've heard, they're very strict. They're very strict. And so then I asked, "Hey, cool, how's this? Do you have any open tournaments where my guys can just come in and forget the forget this forget the forms or anything else? We'll just come in and do point sparring with you. If you want to do point sparring, or if you want to do the continuous, do that." And they're like, "No, you have to be a part of association. We only have closed tournaments." So the only place I found where there was open tournaments was their open glove karate and kickboxing. They called it kickboxing, but it's actually open glove karate. So this is the one place where if you come from a different style that's not part of the Japanese Karate Association, you come from maybe a Kyukushin background or whatever other Shotokan, whatever other style, this is where all the guys get together and actually compete against each other. Awesome. And it's open. They don't care where you came from. You can just you can be not you can be just be a guy who likes fighting and they'll let you come in and do your thing. So that's the avenue I found to get Kaju Kembo started out here um, in, a, in more of a... You're married, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been married. What's that? Wow, really? Yeah, about 12. I got married young. I got married young. Sure. Personal information for my listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I got married young when I was uh, 22. So what, uh, 22, 32, 33, 34, 35, uh-huh. So it's going to be 16, we're pushing on 16 years in August. Wow. And then um, we had our child a little bit later. Uh, so my daughter's five now. So I came out to Japan seven years ago with the purpose to start a family and start a business. So it worked Great. out good. And then um, Kajukembo was something, for me, Kajukembo was something that's all, I was always, I've always taught, but at the same time, I knew it would be a rough road ahead if that was going to be my career path. So when I got to Japan, I put I kept training my Kajikembo. I taught some students on the side. And two years ago, I decided to go officially open. Oh, three years ago. Three years ago, I had enough students pushing me, pushing me. Come on, please. Can you do a school here? So I finally started a small program for those small, just a few students. Is that your emblem? Is that your emblem? Yeah, that's that's uh that's hey, my symbol. That's one. that one's from uh that one's from Alan uh Shizu Alan Abad's symbol. And it was modified a little bit just to have the, the kanji for where I'm at. This one I forgot how this how the mirrors work. Like I I'll point places and then when I put it on YouTube, but I'm pointing the wrong way. But <laughs> if it's the way it says here, this stands for Nihong, which is Japan. And this stands for 
Hyogoken, which is the prefecture that I'm in. So it's just pretty much, it says Kajukenbo. And I found that was the easiest way. One thing for anybody listening who's wondering how to explain what Kajukenbo is to Japanese people, I found that saying Hawaiian Kempo works well because um, they know what Hawaii is and they know what Kempo is. But um, the biggest challenge is once you start trading, they're like, that looks nothing like Kempo. Like, because they're, 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 what their Kempo is and what we do is really different. Yeah, I like it. So, hey, have you seen um, on Facebook? Uh, have you seen the ones I've made? All the different school seals I've made for people. I think there's like fifty or different, fifty or so schools, different schools in Kaj Campbell, where um, I'll, I'll get their logo off their page or something, and then I'll make it out of wood, and then um, send it to them. It's um, yeah, check them out when you get a chance. I think I will. Yeah, I definitely will. Or if, if you want, if you have a post that you already put, tag me in it, and I'll check it out and share it with my. Okay. Share it with my people that I think they'd love that. Yeah. Well, Terry, um, my wrap up question that I've, I try to ask everyone, sometimes I forget, but I remember this time. So I'm going to ask you if someone's listening to this, who's never done any martial arts and they don't know how to start, they don't know where to go. What are some things, what's some advice you would give this person in choosing a place to train? Um, that, that's a good question. Uh, when people come see me, the first thing I do is um, I share with them what I do. And then I share share with them what other people that I, to my knowledge, what they do and encourage them to go check them out. I don't want them to come and just make a quick decision. But but um, it's all what they're looking for. So I've had people come in that are not even looking for self-defense. They're just looking to, to get in shape and do this and that. You know, I can still help them there. But... You know, someone else might be a better fit for them. Go check them out. Um, but I have had people come in looking for traditional. I'm not the guy then. So I, I pointed to some people I know that teach very good traditional martial arts and they go seek them. But um, uh, but it's all on what they're looking for. And and it's important to go visit the school, not just talk on the phone. Uh, you know, it's so important to go visit. And so that they can see and, and touch it, you know, or get a, some type of experience. Um, in my school, it grew so well. I only I taught mainly adults. I had like 120 adults, maybe 20 minors. Um, I liked it that way because then I got to train every class too. I got to work out with my students, you know, and I like that. Um, but I had it set up, you know, get this, Angel. I had it set up to where you couldn't even join my school. And that made people want it even more. Because when you take away, I, I, I'm going to make the decision. You take that away from them, they want in. Okay? So, and I just say, oh, no, I, I make the decision. I'm the teacher. I'm gonna, I'll decide if I teach you. And how, well, then how do you get students? I, I give you an opportunity to take three lessons, three half-hour sessions. While I'm teaching class, you get a feel of it. You get to work with someone, and then we'll go from there. And if I see that you're eager and wanting to learn, hey, I'm a teacher. I want to teach, but I take the power away from them right away. Because if I don't do that, here's what I get. I'll think about it. Thanks for the time. I'll think about it. And that's a fifty-fifty, you know. So I take that away from them, and they, what? I can't join. Now they want in. 
For some reason, we're like that. We can't have it. We want it more. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's true. Um, and it works so well. But it weeds people out, too, because I've had people that come in with the attitude. You know, I've had people walk in and uh, they shit here. And with my, something like, what? You're in the wrong place. You know, because you, know, you don't want that on your floor. You know, you don't want that, uh, you know, that type of attitude at all. But, man, like we said earlier, though, there's nothing like teaching. No. There's nothing like, nothing like seeing that glow. I, I have had students, get this, I've had students go to a tournament. They're going to compete in forums where they've taught me that day. I had a student that was a brown belt. He didn't move like the, the rest of the students were. Who always won? They the smooth flow. You know, they look like my my students. He moved hard style. He was a power lifter. Uh, he was a brown belt. That's a tough division to compete in. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to get experience. He's not going to place, you know, because he was. Oh, he did the hard style, and um, but he did the the form I taught him. You know, everybody had their own personal form. Get this. So they're calling out third place. They don't call his name. I'm thinking, oh man, I wish, you know, it's too bad. Second place, they called someone else. And then the first place, I'm thinking right there, I, I hope he doesn't destroy him. I hope he doesn't fill it down. They called his name. Got first place. Wow. He got first place. We got power form. <laughs> I just, when he came over, he goes, hey, see who? And, you know, I'm thinking, Man, today you were the teacher because you just taught me a big lesson. <laughs> and, and he never competed again. He, walked in, he took first place and he walked out like, thanks, you. No, but it was so funny. Oh, that's awesome. So you heard it here, folks. Look for the place. Call. Don't just call. Show up. Take a lesson. Feel, touch, see. Make your decision from there. Yeah. Jerry, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Um, I'm definitely going to contact you again. I have this thing, another series that's part of the Kaja Kimbo series where we do black belt meetings. Um, wow. I get some people together. We we just kind of rapid fire on a few topics. Um, wow. Some of the guys drink. Some of the guys don't. It's up to you. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have you back on the show for some more topics. So for anybody listening, uh, Terry, is there, where can people find you? Is there a website or? Um, I, I only, yeah. I pretty much only teach one-on-ones today. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm retired. All right. I mean, is, there, is there anything? I, is there anything you want to promote before we wrap up? Or you? <laughs> <laughs> I like what you're doing. You know, new things for the art, but I like what you're doing. Um, keep it up. Keep going. I'm glad, that got, I'm glad that we got a chance to, to hook up. So, um, I really appreciate that, man. I really do. So for my listeners, <laughs> for my listeners, uh, stay tuned for the wrap up. And that's a wrap. Thank you very much for checking out Social Jello with Angelo. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel if you like what you saw. Right now, this is part of the Kaja Kemo series, but this podcast includes topics like and are not limited to psychology, surfing, and martial arts. Um... Also, if you want to check out my Instagram for my martial arts stuff, you can go to Level Up Gym 1. That's Level Up Gym 1 on Instagram. All right. Thanks for following the show, and I'll catch you all later. Peace.